Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Veg Grower Podcast. My name is Richard and I am on a mission to grow my fruit, vegetables and herbs in my allotment and my garden. Now before we get into the content, just want to apologise, this podcast is coming out about a day late. I did put a post out on social media last night, I had one of my horrible headaches and I couldn't edit, I just couldn't look at the screen. I always keep Mondays free so I can stare at the computer screen and do all my editing and my publishing, but I was unable to do it, I just couldn't look at the screen. So this podcast is a day late. Now today we are trying out something a little bit new. Did you know the 21st of October, Saturday just gone, was National Apple Day here in the UK? So with that, I've been looking at my apples and particularly my apple trees out in my garden. I've always dreamed of having my own orchard and it is going to be a dream for a lot longer. But that being said, something I have been doing more and more of is growing fruit trees in pots. And this is something I've particularly paid attention to this week, especially here at home. And the front garden particularly, because that has just lent itself to growing in pots. Now I've got six different apple trees here at home. All different varieties, but what makes these six apple trees pretty special is the rootstock. Now, the rootstock that these are on are either an M9 or M26, and they are designed to be a very dwarfing rootstock, which means the trees themselves don't get huge. And that's very, very important when it comes to growing trees in pots. We don't want a big tree that takes up a lot of them, needs a lot of them, when we're confining it to a pot. One apple tree I have out the front is in a relatively large size pot. It's 60 centimetres across, it's quite big and deep as pots go. And that particular tree is shaped like your standard apple tree that you can imagine when you think of it. It's branches outstretched in each direction. Now that one I only got this year, it hasn't fruited this year, but I've got no worries about it. It is doing pretty well. What we've got to do is add a bit of compost on top just to help it out through the winter, give it a bit of a mulch. And we may also add a bit of wood chips. And then come spring, we're going to add a bit of blood, fish and bone to that pot as well. Again, just to give it a bit of a feed and hope it produces apple next year. But my five apple trees I have out the back here they are quite a mix. I don't know what these varieties are. If you are looking at buying apple trees, now is the time to look at it. They're going to start becoming available from nurseries, especially bare-rooted, which are the cheapest way, I think, to get at them. But do your research as to what size you want and what varieties you want, and also the pollination that you want from your apple trees. Apples usually need another apple tree to pollinate with. And it could be a different variety. Reason being is that some apple trees need one apple tree to be in flower and another at a different stage. Sometimes they need two or three apple trees at different stages as well to aid with their pollination. So do your research onto what type of apple trees you want for your situation if you are looking at buying any. But for me, these five that I have out here are cordon. 
Now they're different varieties, but the shape of them are cordon, which basically means you just get a straight pillar growing up. It produces apples on that straight pillar, which is great for saving space. As I said earlier, I've always wanted an orchard. And by using these sort of space-saving trees, I'm actually able to get a bit of an orchard here at home. Now this doesn't just apply to our apple trees, it applies to a big different range of trees as well. Just starting to get a bit of rain coming. Now three of these trees I brought earlier this year from a website called Gardening Express. They were doing a bit of a discount on them and we managed to get five trees for £10 with six ninety-nine in packaging. And they were discounted because they had lost labels and we weren't sure how they were going to do. So they seem to be actually doing okay. They've all put on leaf. What we're going to have to do is pot them into a bit of a bigger pot. They are only in small pots for the time being. Going to pot them in a bit of a bigger pot and probably wrap the pots in bubble wrap and then move these trees into the greenhouse just to give them a bit of warmth uh, so they can survive the winter, being that they are such a a tender age. But there are two other trees that I've had for 10 years. These were actually used in decorations at my wedding and they're still in the same pot that I pot them in for our wedding, which was just over nine years ago. But these trees are not exactly doing their best. I'm just looking at them now. One of them has actually got some flowers on it, but they've not been the best performing trees in recent years. And the reason for that is that the compost that these trees are in has probably become depleted. So what I want to do today, and I'm going to do this while talking to you, is I'm just going to pull down, actually I've got stone chips on top, so I'm just going to pull all the stone chips out the top. And then what we're going to do is just pull these trees out of the compost. They should all come as one complete load of compost. There we go. Got that out. Because the compost has reduced so much, they're about two-thirds full, I'm going to fill up the bottom with some fresh compost, which I've also got here. I'm just going to do that. Put that tree back in and try and get it central, and then we're going to fill it up with more compost around the edges as well. That should hopefully keep it going for quite a while. Now, while I, while I do this, let me just tell you something else that I've done here at the home plot. On my live shows, I set a little mission where I get the audience to set me a mission for the week. And this week it was to do a build, a raised bed. So I went into my wood store and I discovered I had some offcuts of wood that gave me the chance to build two new beds. And I've built those beds. One of them I've lined with cardboard on the bottom and filled up with a bit of compost. And that is ready to go. The second one, I'm just working out the size and trying to work out if I can get four or eight beds into place. I think we're going to be going for eight beds. Now, this is quite important to me because this, as I've said before, I've been having a bit of a plan to expand our bed area. But to find these offcuts of wood and actually realise that I could use them to build two beds is now set the rest of the winter project build it means i can build eight of these beds of one particular size and three of a different size now the three of a different size are going to be asparagus rhubarb and maybe even dahlias whereas the other eight are going to be something completely different the main thing that's pleased me about that is i didn't really have a plan as such but this plan has just came together and has set it up for the future so i'm very 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 pleased with that Anyway, let's got this apple tree now ready to go and I've got to repeat the same with the other tree. 
And again, when it comes to care for apple trees, it, it falls into this boundary. Bit of a mulch during the winter, a feed with blood, fish and bone or something with a high potassium in the spring, prune during the winter, keep well watered, pretty easy to look after and the trees can last a long time. As I said earlier, if you are looking to buy some new apple trees, do your research first, choose the right varieties and choose the right rootstock for your conditions. Right, let's get back into the podding shed. Well, hopefully with that bit of care taken to my apple trees here at home, it's going to mean that we're going to get lots of apples next year. Fingers crossed that the care we take now is going to help. But as I said, if you are looking to buy some new apple trees, then now is the time to look into it. Now on that note, I would just like to remind everybody, if you are enjoying this podcast and want to help support the work that we do, then please consider becoming a member of our Supporters Club. By becoming a member of our Supporters Club, you help keep this podcast running. I really cannot stress just how much it helps keep the website running and everything like that. But I don't want to just take your money. I've set the club up that you get something in return. You get extra behind-the-scenes podcasts that let you know just what's going on here at the VegGrow Podcast HQ, as well as plans for the weekends and certain other subjects that we tend to cover. But I also send out packs of seeds each month, and these seeds can be sown that very month. And in fact, over this last week, we have been sowing a couple of those seeds. We've been sowing some board beans, which are going to be overwintered and should grow quite well. And Celtis, which is a very interesting Chinese vegetable that is absolutely delicious and also should grow quite well if throughout these colder months. Now if you want to become a member then please head to the vegagrowpodcast.co.uk to find out more. I charge £5 a month to be a member and I think it is a bargain. Now of course there is a way that you can help support this podcast without costing any money at all and that is just by simply rating and reviewing this podcast on your podcast provider. Again this really helps us out massively. Now when it comes to fruit trees there is times that we need to do pruning and for pruning we need a sharp pair of secateurs. So this week I've also been servicing my secateurs. So I'm in the greenhouse today. It is time to service my secateurs. Each week I'm doing a different set of tools and this week it is my secateurs. What we have here is my secateurs and this is my preferred brand. It is a brand called Fiskars. What I like about them is they are orange and black handles which means they tend to get seen quite nicely should you drop them. But because we are dealing with sharp blades and springs, we're going to have to do a bit of health and safety. So goggles and gloves are a must. If I squeeze a handle on these secateurs, they feel very, very rough and don't come apart easy. So before we start, we're just going to give everything a bit of an oil, just a spray oil, just so it makes it a little bit easier for everything to come apart and run, I'm just going to squeeze the handle a few times to get that running through, there we go, that is good. So what we want to do next, on most secateurs, most decent ones anyway, they have a nut and bolt that go through the hinge and we're just going to 
undo that to take the secateurs apart. Now we want to be careful, as I said there is a swing involved and they can tend to go everywhere if you're not careful. Luckily this one has came apart pretty easily which doesn't not surprised with the addition of oil. There we go. Now because that has come apart in theory the spring should now, there we go, the spring has came off as well because we can spread the handles a little bit wider. Next thing we're just going to take that bolt out as well. What I advise anybody, if this is the first time you've taken apart your secateurs, what I always advise is you film it or something so you know where all the parts go. Now this particular set of secateurs are an anvil so they they don't bypass on two blades. We've only got one blade which pushes up against the other. So the piece with the blade on, that's pretty good. But what we want to do is get a nice sharp edge back on it. So what I'm going to do is with my file, I'm just going to run it along that blade. Just trying to keep the edge and back on it and you can see as I'm as I do this the blade is starting to come shiny again which tells me it is becoming sharp because we're cutting into new metal. There we go that's pretty good actually that's not too bad that came together quite nicely. Now I can take my glove off for this bit and just check if I run my thumb up against it, I can feel the sharpness. In fact, what I'm going to do is the flat edge, I'm just going to run the blade, the file across that as well to make sure that needs a bit more. So I'm just taking a sweeping action on the blade. I'm trying to maintain the angle of the original blade. There we go, that's, that's much, much better. So it's worth getting rid of any rust as well with a bit of sandpaper or um, uh, metal wool or anything like that. Luckily, yeah, there's a bit of rust on this, but I'm not too worried because I reckon with a good oiling that will all come out. So what I'm going to do now is put this secateurs back together in reverse oiler. Now looking at the spring, as I put this spring back, the spring is actually quite rusty. Um, unfortunately, I don't have a spare, uh, a spare one of these. So that would be something to think about. If your spring is rusty, it might be worth ordering in a spare spring when you look at doing this. They're usually pretty easy to get hold of. There we go, that's the spring back in. Nut goes back in. And then what we want to do, the bolt as well, nut and bolt, put it back together, tighten it up, and there we go. So the final thing I'm going to do now is just give this another good oiling, just to make sure everything is well oiled and protected 
and then we'll leave that to dry and it is good to go. So that means it's time to go back to the podding shed. So there we go guys, we got our secateurs all serviced and nice and sharp ready for pruning our trees. Now I do believe that sharp tools are better for us. They're certainly safer and they make the job much easier. So very, very important, I feel, to do that. Now, sticking with the apple theme, it's off to Chef Scott's kitchen where he has got for us a fantastic recipe. Let's go see what he's got for us this week. Hello, it's Scott here. And with Halloween and bonfire night just around the corner, I thought it'd be nice to share some festive recipes. And starting with a fun treat this time of year that's a great way to show off our homegrown apples and guaranteed to put a smile on anyone's face. And they are, of course, toffee apples. And in this case, maple and pecan toffee apples. The kids will love them, and even the adults will revert back to childhood. So let's jump into the kitchen and find out how they are made. The ingredients you'll need are 400 grams of caster sugar, two teaspoons of white wine vinegar, 250 milliliters of maple syrup, 50 grams of butter, 200 grams of pecans finely chopped, and eight of your finest eating apples. Now that we've got our ingredients together, we can make a start. Start by setting up a piece of greaseproof paper on a heatproof surface. Then pour the sugar into a large pan with 200 millilitres of water and cook gently for about three minutes without stirring until the sugar has completely dissolved. It's important not to stir at this point as the sugar will crystallise. Now add the vinegar, maple syrup and butter and bring to the boil and boil for about five to 10 minutes until the mixture has gone golden brown and when a little bit of the caramel is dripped into cold water, it sets. Meanwhile, place the pecans on a large plate and push forks into each of the apples. I use forks here as I think it's safer with the hot sugar, but you could use lolly sticks. Now remove the caramel from the heat and dip the apple into the caramel to coat completely. Then roll the apple in the pecan nuts to coat evenly and repeat with the rest of the apples. If the caramel becomes cold and it becomes difficult to coat the apple, just pop it back on the heat for a couple of minutes. Now place the apples onto the greaseproof paper and allow to cool, and then enjoy. Wow, there we go, toffee apples. That will certainly make us very, very happy. I got my nieces coming round at the weekend. That might be something we can do with them. Now, back to the apple trees, and this time I'm going to head down to the allotment and talk about my apple trees that I have down there. Now, down on the allotment, I actually have two apple trees here. My first one is a variety called Kingston Black, and this is planted in the ground. It's at the very bottom of the allotment, and this particular breed of apples is for making cider. Now, I often say that I don't drink, which is kind of true, but one thing I do enjoy is the odd glass of cider. So I got this in order to make my own cider. Unfortunately, what I did when I planted this, I planted this in the ground and I only gave it one metre square of space. Next to it, I have my cherry tree and then next to that, my hazel tree, each of which only have one metre of space. It has not 
been enough. Now, the plan is to move some of these trees during the winter. We're going to be moving the shed, I've spoken about that. When the shed gets moved, we're going to dig up these trees and move them and give them more space. But what I'm waiting for before I do that is for all the leaves to fall off and the tree goes dormant. I often find that when trees are dormant, it's much easier and much more safer to try and move them. And then what we would do is dig around, try and dig as much of the roots up as possible, and then remove it from the ground and place it somewhere else. Now I do have another apple tree also in the ground, and this is a much smaller apple tree. And again, I planted this when I first took this allotment on. And this one has actually got a meter squared, which isn't too bad for this particular apple tree. Now the variety was called a family and I believe it actually was almost like four different varieties of apples pollen to one tree but we've never really got different apples from it to be honest. The apples we've got have been really good, really nice and tasty. The trouble I have with this apple tree which is what I want to sort out today is that for some reason it leans over. Last year I put a stake in place and I staked the stake into the ground but that has started leaning over as well. So what I'm going to do today is try and sort this out once and for all. So first things first let's go find a stake to get into the ground. Right I've got a stake now so what I'd get, like to do with this, just dig a little hole that we're going to place a stake in. The original stake I'm leaving, we're going to use two stakes to try and support this apple tree upright. I believe what's going on is we've got a mole or something underneath and that seems to make the soil underneath subside and what have you. So we're going to put the second stake in, hammer it into the ground, which I'm going to try and do while talking to you guys at the same time. Right, that's got the second stake in place. Now I've got these rubber tree ties that I'm going to try and put around the tree and the stake, the other stake that is, to support it upright. And hopefully that will stay like that indefinitely. Now ideally we would try and take a stake at a 45 degree angle to the ground to stake the apple tree upright but that is not possible here unfortunately. Maybe in the future if we do something again we would look at doing that. Now the final thing that I, I can't do this today because again the tree is in full leaf but it is pruning and that's why we were sharpening our secateurs because pruning season is soon going to be upon us. Now when it comes to pruning apple trees first thing I always look for is any dead or diseased branches and we remove those. So sometimes it is worth looking at those in advance and sort of putting a bit of ribbon up to identify those ones. Any branches that are crossing, so where you may have two branches crossing each other that may cause them to rub. And then we want to think about the overall shape of the apple tree to try and maintain decent shape. And then after that, any final pruning, we really want to allow a bit of light and a bit of air through all the branches in order to help the apple tree prosper.
Now when it comes to pruning time, I'm probably going to be talking quite a bit about pruning. I've been reading a rather good book actually from the RHS on how to prune. Although I know the idea of pruning, it's more about how I can convey the message over when in a podcast that I'm trying to read up on. So that is my apple trees here on the allotment and we're taking care of those. So let's head back to the podding shed. I've probably said many times that I always feel autumn is a very exciting time of year. I know plants are starting to die back and sometimes that can be a bit disheartening. But it also means that our plants are starting to get themselves ready for the winter and therefore ready to bounce back into life in spring. So it's full of a lot of potential. Particularly on the allotments, I've noticed they become emptier and emptier throughout the winter months. I always think that is a shame. As I've said time and time again, infrastructure work is great to do throughout the winter. Plus the fact I want my gardens and my allotment to produce food right throughout the winter as well. So there's still going to be lots happening in both places. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the different sort of format that we're trying out. If it works, we will look at doing this sort of thing more in the future. But if you have enjoyed this podcast, then please do leave us a review on your podcast provider. And if you have really enjoyed this podcast, then please consider becoming a member of our supporters club. It is how we keep this podcast running. Now, if you do want to get in touch, then head to the vegrowpodcast.co.uk and you can leave a comment on the bottom of a blog post or you can leave us a voicemail. I love the voicemails because we can play those in. Alternatively, you can email me richard at vegrowpodcast.co.uk. And of course, don't forget to follow us on social media where you can find out more about what we're up to. We will be back again next time. So until then, please take care.